Welcome to Sales Velocity TV, where we pull back the curtain on how the top businesses in the world sell more with less resistance. Bringing over 50 plus years of combined sales experience and over 100 million in revenue generated, please welcome the hosts of Sales Velocity TV and two incredibly entertaining gentlemen, Andrew Cass and Aaron Parkinson. What is happening, everybody? Where are you, Aaron? <laughs> I'm here. I'm here. I'm Welcome, back. everybody, to uh, episode 51 of Sales Velocity TV. We're talking today about how to guarantee the profitability in your business. How are you, my friend? Uh, I'm doing amazing, man. It's Friday. I feel. I, I still think like half the time we should just start this show the 10 minutes before we get on, but sometimes we th say things that are not politically correct, so maybe that would be a bad idea. I love saying things that aren't politically correct. <laughs> I know you do, but we probably get canceled. <laughs> oh, yeah. Cancel culture. I forgot about cancel culture. Can your podcast get canceled if you talk against big food, big agriculture, or big pharma today? Is that a lot? Or big government? You know, all, like those, you know all those super, super ethical, deeply caring industries that have done no damage to society in any way, shape, or form ever. But God forbid you challenge the rhetoric. You're, you're canceled. You can't have that happening. Now, yeah. to the to the intelligent mind, before we dig in, if you see that happening, you should probably want to know really quickly what is being canceled because 99% of the time, that's probably the truth. Hate it's to say it. It's, it's unfortunate. I mean, yeah, I think it is. It's critical very thinking is taking a beating in society these yeah. days, you know, but the fortunate thing is that there are so many places now that you can have a voice, you know, compared to... 20 years ago, you know, for example, that, you know, there's always a new platform springing up. Yeah, you there know, is lately. You see like even new, even new browsers popping up lately. I'm seeing. Absolutely. Yeah. Interesting. I mean, talk about the ultimate, um, cancel culture example was Trump and he's spinning up, I think his own social media. I heard something about that. Yeah. Yeah. I think he's spinning up his own social so that he can't be canceled. He's guaranteed. He's guaranteeing profitability. Like we're talking about today. He's guaranteeing, yeah. guaranteeing profitability. That is the key topic of today. And some, some of you might be going, well, you know, can I, I can really guarantee it. And we're going to talk today about how you can lock in profit streams. You can lock in revenue. You can lock in processes, all things that make the business more stable. I know you have a couple of talking points here and you want to kick off with here today. In episode 51. The, the, a lot of our viewers and listeners are what, what you know, traditionally would be termed as small business, right? There And, you know, there's some medium and there's some large. I'm not saying that it's exclusively small business, but a lot of them are small business. And, you know, we see this a lot with our clients, Andrew, where when a small business, you know, starts to get some traction um, and the client wants to expand – Typically, the person in charge, you know, is wearing multiple hats and they are, you know, they're the visionary, they're the ops person, they're the customer service that, you know, in many cases, they're, they're, they're managing multiple departments and that's common and there's no judgment against that. But the challenge that I see come up more and more frequently is that a lot of them have very little financial background when it hmm. comes to running a business. They have, they are illiterate. They are financially illiterate when it comes to a business. And that's a lot of what we're talking about today 
is understanding the math of your business. And uh, 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 Carl, uh, my uh, my CFO, he loves to talk about small businesses from the perspective of perception. He said that there's a ton of clients that I work with that he says if they have money in the bank, money in the bank equals we're doing well, I'm rich, right? There's zero understanding or concept beyond that, right? Just because you make sales doesn't mean that you've got a stable, consistent, profitable business. What it just means is you have proof of concept that people want your stuff, right? And that's what we're talking about today is understanding that you can guarantee profitability if you start to really dive in and understand the math of your business, right? And we're gonna be talking about some terms that maybe people are familiar with today, maybe they're not, right? But you need to become familiar with them if you wanna guarantee the profitability of your business, right? Don't think I've ever come across a business that was able to scale being in in the dark about the math. Not only from a marketing standpoint, we're going to talk marketing math today, but also sure. from a from a accounting standpoint, right? There's and, and two kinds of math is, in businesses today. There's the actual accounting, and then there's the money math, right? Correct. There's the the marketing math, I should say. Absolutely, and and they all work in tandem together, right? And and the goal for any business is to start to be able to flesh out a model a mathematical model on a spreadsheet that they can look towards and they can see where they're doing well and where there's room for improvement, right? And almost every client that you and I talk to, I, I mean, maybe maybe it's not the same for you, I know it is for me, is the first question I ask them is, show me the math, right? And it is amazing how many people don't have data to show me. And the moment that they don't have data to show me, I know, there's a huge room for opportunity. And there's reminds me of the, the, what is it, Jerry Maguire, Show Me the Money, that movie, right? Yeah, absolutely, right? Show me the money. You know, you look at Mr. Wonderful from Shark Tank, right? Yeah. People come in and they're like, we're doing this and we're doing this. All excited. Show me the numbers. That's all he cares about. Show me the numbers, right? Because numbers don't lie. And you can tell the health of a business very quickly when you look at the numbers, right? So when I'm talking about guaranteeing profitability, is that an applause? You know, I don't mean to. I don't mean to jump in and applause you. You're you're off to a great start, so you got an applause already. But <laughs> I got a <laughs> do it again. I got a new toy here in the studio. So periodically, folks, throughout the show, don't be surprised if Aaron gets an applause for this math conversation. He's really good with this stuff. So like technology, it's really amping up these days. Even got the triangle, and I'll let you get. Got to get on to the next topic. Runs to that ESPN okay, show, the countdown. Right. We had a little countdown timer where we can, you know, what's that ESPN show? It's pretty cool where the bell goes off. They have to hit a topic and they go down the list, yes. right? Yes. That's fun. It's it's a speed speed debate or whatever. But anyways, go ahead. I I All digress. Right. I, I like the applause. I, I, I you're going to get a few I, throughout the show. I have a feeling. Just stay with. I it. I like recognition. Stay so, with it. You know, it, the stay focused. So you know, I'm going to talk a little bit about you know, the models that we will create for clients, right? And the two key ones is, is first is the, is the marketing and sales model. And the second one is, is obviously the PL. And, you know, for a PL, you should go to an accountant, somebody who has, you know, or a bookkeeper or someone who has experience in this, and they're going to be able to show you, you know, what your marketing costs are, what your sales costs are, you know, 
taxes, you know, profit. Yeah, and, and most important, they're going to show you like where there could be spend getting away, right? Absolutely. When he says P&L, obviously he means profit and loss for those that don't know. Hopefully there's nobody that doesn't know. But it's also good to know when, when stuff gets broken out, right? It's good to go, oh my gosh, we're spending this much money over here. Like, Can we hold that accountable? Or, oh my gosh, we're spending this much money on restaurant and entertainment, or did we realize this? So it, it creates good awareness to potentially overspend or bloat in certain areas. So the P&L thing from an accounting standpoint is very important. I know you're going to, and, and we're going to talk more about the marketing and the money and the, the, the lead acquisition math, but just to touch on that P&L thing, if you're it's running a business important. and you don't have a monthly or a quarterly at the least P&L, which is a breakdown of how all of your, your business spending is allocated, that's a big problem. Well, and let's talk about P&L just for a second right now because we're on the topic, right? So I have a very elaborate P&L that's broken down for me every single month that my CFO puts together. And we have not just what the current math is, but we have goals. We have baselines that we're shooting for. And then we actually have charts showing whether we're above or below the goals, right? So what is our month over month growth? What is our year over year growth? Specifically for me and my business, you know, we've created a model for the business where you know, we only want to have 10% of our gross revenue go to, you know, uh, salaried employees, right? And then, you know, beyond that, we want to have no more than 30% go to contractors, right? And we want to have no more than 10% go to marketing budget. And so I can actually see every single month. By the way, Aaron, where do you just to, to, to piggyback off that, where do you get what makes you in that example decide on that number? Well, we originally sat down and we said, okay, here's the, you know, the average um, initial sale from each client. Here's the lifetime value that we expect the client, how many months do we expect them to stay for, so on and so forth. And for me, I've had businesses in the past, and I, I think that you could probably um, understand and relate to this a little bit, Andrew. I've had businesses in the past where I'm so confident that we are going to disrupt the industry and be successful that every opportunity to market the business, expand the business, get a big office, get equipment, get people, hire, whatever, I've gone all in with the money because I'm so confident in what the business is gonna do. And I've gone too far, too fast. And then all of a sudden, I look back a year later and I haven't made any money. I haven't made any profit. So, the lesson that I learned, and there's a great book called Profit First. Have you read that book, Andrew? Yeah. Right? There's a great book called Profit First, and if our listeners haven't, haven't read it, I would highly recommend it, where when I started this business, instead I said, okay, there must be a 30% profit margin in this business. Everything else has to fall outside that. There, it, like Tony Robbins says, you don't lack resources, you lack resourcefulness. So when someone says, no, we need this, we must have this, we must spend money on this. No, you do not need anything. What you need is the solution. That may be the right solution or it might not be the solution. So when I built this business, I said, okay, we're not going backwards. We're not going, okay, what are all the things we need to spend money on? And then how much profit do we expect to be left? No, 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 no. We went the other way. We said, there has to be 30% profit. Now, how do we make everything else work in the 70%? Mm -hmm. So then we started to break down, you know, what it took to fulfill these different areas, how many people, man hours, et cetera. We started to build units around how to facilitate these things and fulfill them. And then we said, okay, what are we going to have to pay these people to get high quality people? Okay, we're going to put those, those numbers in. 
It should be no more than 30% here, no more than 10% here, no more than 10% here. And this should align us to be able to successfully guarantee that that 30% profit margin is coming in um, every month. And what you have to understand is that the first model that you build for the business is not always the model that's going to be there forever. For example, you know, when inflation goes up, people expect to be paid more, right? Or if they've been around, you know, for a year, they want to raise. Yeah, there's adjustments. There's adjustments, right? So we're actually at the point now with, with this company, you know, this specifically this company I'm talking about where we are actually going beyond the numbers that I originally set out. We're going beyond the 30. We're going beyond the 10. And I've looked at the model and said, okay, can we trim anywhere? Like, is it, is it possible to still deliver the same level of service in this box? And because I've kept hiring more people as I've seen problems arise and I needed to fill holes, I've now got to the point where I've stretched myself out of the initial model that I created, right? And then you've got two choices. You've got cut costs, um, improve efficiencies. You know, is there softwares or things that you can automate and put in place? Or do you have to raise prices? Because that's the other side. You, you don't have, like, you can't get married to your price because, you know, as you as you build the business, you start to put in more things to service your customers. And obviously the, the, the overall experience improves for the customers, which usually means they should spend more or they should stay longer. And if that's the case, then you need to raise your prices. Right. Right. So in, in this particular business that I'm talking about, I originally started at twenty five hundred a month. Then it became five thousand a month. Then it became eight thousand a month. Then it became ten thousand dollar a month. Now it has to go to twelve thousand five hundred a month because I keep adding more things in. But what a lot of businesses do is they keep adding those things in. They never raise their price. Right. And all of a sudden now there's no profitability. Mm-hmm. Well, if if we're if we're coming from a profit first mentality, that is sacred. That must be protected at all costs. Either we're not adding more stuff or we got to raise the price, right? The profitability is, is off. It's off limits. Anytime somebody tries to push me out of the profitability, I'm like, nope, not happening. Find another answer. Either it's raise prices or it's make the system more efficient. Right. Right. right yep. and, and what we're talking about right now is a PL where I can see the different departments that we've That's created right. and the different expenses and what our projections were. And every single month I look at it, I go through every single number, every single number. I'm like, is this correct? Is it incorrect? Is there things that we could do to bring this down? Is there things we can do to bring this up, right? Like Grant Cardone once told me, he looks at his PNL every single, he didn't tell me, I, I saw it on a video. He looks at his PNL every single morning. He gets a PNL every single morning that he reviews up to date to that day, right? Where focus goes, energy flows. You know, and it's a mate. I think maybe I don't know. Maybe I'll ask you this question. I think a lot of people don't build financial models for their sales and marketing and proper PLs for their business because they don't want to know the truth. They know in the back of their head that there's something ugly in there, and rather than know the truth and address it, they would just rather hide from it and work harder. That is the mentality for just about every aspect of life. You could talk about it from a sales model standpoint. You could talk about it from a relationship standpoint. You could talk about it from a health and fitness standpoint. You could talk about it from a nutrition standpoint. Right. If people are doing okay, if they're okay, everything in your your fitness, right? Yeah, but if they're okay, so if somebody's okay, they're not dying, 
They're like, let's not disrupt things. Let's not look too closely because it's going to probably require a lot of work and uncomfortability to get it fixed. So that's, that's this. That's human nature. This is what you're saying is creating awareness to your numbers so that you know along, so that you know every step of the way where there might be some slippage so you can fix it. But most people don't want to know about slippage because slippage requires a lot of work to plug the hole. It's just the way it is. So oftentimes yeah. we're wired as humans, Aaron, you know this, to wait for the crisis or the speed bump to hit before we go address the hole. That's just human nature, sadly. And, and I don't think anybody's immune to it. Like I'm sure no, you're mortified to the by the fact that last month was the first time or, or four months ago was the first time I ever did a test measuring muscle density, bone density, um, body fat. Really? First month, first time ever? First time I've ever done it. Of, of body fat or just the bone density thing? Um, like we've done like calipers and stuff like that, but I okay. went and got like a full like proper breakdown. And then three months later, cause I've been doing a pretty heavy, um, workout cycle right now. I felt like I looked better and I was stronger, but like the weight was the same. And like, and people are like always so focused on just the scale. They won't do the deep dive into the numbers. So I wanted to do a deep dive into the numbers. So I did that same test again. And what had happened is my body fat had gone down. My muscle density had gone up, right? So both of the key metrics were going in the right directions, but because my weight was the same, in fact, it was a little bit higher. You were like, what's going on here? Why am I getting weight? Right. And, and, and this is sort of like a great example for people with, with everything, including their businesses is they, they're, they're, they're not doing a deep enough dive into the numbers to really understand what's happening. Most people's information with everything is just on the surface. It's snapshot. Like, like, like just look at the, 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 the health crisis we're in right now in this right. world. Every, I shouldn't say everybody, 99%, I would say 95% bare minimum will go deeper than just the, what the media is reporting. That's just on the surface. Same thing with you're talking about fitness, just the scale on the surface. Nobody's going to get their blood done to see the hormone levels. Very few are going to get their in-body mass done to see body mass circumference versus body fat. When you dig deep and go below the surface on the numbers, again, fitness, Math, P&Ls, money math, marketing math. When you go below the surface, you enter a whole new arena and you play a whole different game and you become stealth. When you don't, you are an on-the-surface acquirer of information. You will see very average results across all of those boxes that I just laid out. Very average because you're only getting this much of the information. I, I agree with you completely. Maybe you should give yourself the applause. Oh, you know what? Yes, hold on. Um, God, yes, yes. I, I felt like you needed that. Thank applause. you. I, you know, I needed that. Thank you. The, now, here's the funny thing. Going back to the point I was making is that I think a lot of people, they're afraid to dig into it. Yeah, no doubt. Because they don't want to know the truth. And like you said, then they know that it's going to require work once they uncover this the truth. This is all just human nature, man. Right. But but it's actually incorrect. Of course it is. Why do you think – somebody gave me advice, I don't know how many years ago, best advice I ever got. Whatever you're seeing the majority doing, just know that 99% of the time go the other way and you will be so much further ahead in life. 
When you see mass movements to one area, to one thing, to one idea, to one concept, usually it's wrong. Usually, not always, but usually. Yeah, it, it just ends up moving the goalposts of the average, right? Yeah. So where I think a lot of people are unclear is around the fact there's, there's the old saying that the word fear is false expectations appearing real or right? false evidence appearing real. I use or false evidence appearing real. Right. Right. And, and what we're actually fearing that we're going to uncover is actually for the most part, not there. Right. Once you actually start to break out your numbers, you have very little fear because you see the exact areas that you can focus on to improve the business mm -hmm. and you see the areas that, you know, need immediate, you know, tender, uh, love and care, tender, love and care. And you see the things that are going to have to be in place for you to scale or for you to become more profitable. And once you've got your mind wrapped around those things, it actually removes all the fear. Yeah, right? yeah, it's a really once, good once point. Once we actually know the math, there's no fear yeah, at all. Yeah, no, you're right. There's something else at play, Aaron, right? So it takes courage to do what you're saying, and that isn't something that many have, frankly. So sometimes it takes courage to go dig deep to see the numbers. We're talking P&Ls today, and we're talking you we're know, the marketing, marketing models in right. a second as well. We just kind of got onto the P&L. But it takes courage sometimes to look beneath the surface. So what's happening today worldwide in, in business, and really, like I said, this spills into so many different arenas of life, is people's cognitive dissonance, it's called, kicks in. What that right. means is, if you're not clear or the audience isn't clear, is your mindset and your belief system has been challenged and now you're in defense mode, right? So, so now you don't want to do the thing because like you feel almost like your intelligence was insulted because you failed to do the research. You know, You don't know what you should know and now you're like insulted and you're you know, your ego's kind of busted and bruised a little bit. And now you're like pissed off. That's cognitive dissonance, I think. I'm trying to explain it in layman's terms here, right? You're sure. immediately in, like you feel rejected. Like somebody brought right. you information. You're pissed off. You didn't know it. You get into defense mode. Now you don't want to do it. Now you're agitated. Now you don't want to learn the new way to, of doing things. So there's that piece too. There's, there's Someone showing you a new way of doing things or sharing a different belief system with you that challenges your belief system and you're automatically pissed off. <laughs> it's, it's, so it takes courage and it takes a bigger person, by the way, to look beneath the surface at the numbers because in most cases you might be slightly insulted by what you find because you didn't know it. And you've got to get yeah, past that. That's what I mean exposed. by the courage, Aaron. You've got to get past that, right? You yeah, can't like live in defense mode because you didn't do what you should have done. You've got to get past it and go do the thing. And the reality is that most small business owners, they're promoters, right? They're promoters of their product. Yeah, they're service. great marketers and they, they're not great with numbers. Totally and They're not great with numbers. Yeah. So if you don't want to learn how to do this, right, the answer to the, the problem isn't you don't do it. The answer to the problem is you go hire somebody yeah. to do it yeah. and serve you up the and, data. And by the way, and vice versa. So maybe you're a great numbers person. Maybe you're like a wired to be a CFO but you're also sure. the owner of the business. Well, then go find a great marketer or marketing right. team or face that can go out there and promote. We talked about that in the last episode, how to promote right. like a pro. Somebody needs to be promoting like a pro. And if it isn't you, no biggie. Find someone who can join the team that you can partner with that can promote like a pro so you can really drill down on those numbers that you're good at. Absolutely. That, you should give yourself another applause. Though. Yes, hold on. That was a good point.
This is really an excellent addition to the show, I have to say. <laughs> so I got a few I'm more. Talk in the a little here. bit about the models that we create for marketing, because this is the kind that I see this very rarely mapped out. Meaning what? People that actually have this laid out yeah, they and they, they know it good. And, one in ten. Yeah. And the average client I'm dealing with is uh, they're they're a, they're a minimum a seven figure a year company. Uh-huh. And they still don't have like like it's one not, in ten. See, it's amazing to me how they how they some of them get there without knowing sheer will and excitement. A and lot of just brute force, right? Enthusiasm and excitement. Yeah, right. Like it, it's just a lot of that amazes me. So I'll give you an example of um, a marketing model that you could like wrap your head around and then look at your business, right? Mm-hmm. So we're in the digital marketing space a lot. So. You know, let's just say we've got, because we have a lot of, let's say, insurance agents that are watching this show right now. Let's say we take an insurance agent and the insurance agent wants to offer up a free report about the three elements that anybody looking for life insurance needs to know before they commit to a new broker, right? Andrew, you love that kind of stuff, right? So, you know, they're gonna offer this free report and then when somebody downloads the free report, then maybe they're gonna drop onto a, a video sales letter to learn more about you know, that person, their company, their unique selling proposition, et cetera, et cetera, and they're gonna book um, a strategy session on a calendar, and they're gonna talk about whether or not they're the right fit, and then either the customer's gonna get started or not, right? And let's just say they are going to um, run some advertising on Facebook and Instagram to generate these leads, right? Right from the get-go, we, build a model for that idea, right? And we go do the research on the industry, historical best numbers. We look at our own previous clients and we wanna track every metric. So we'll say, okay, if we're gonna run this ad, you know, and I'm just gonna make this a really simple version, right? We expect a minimum of 1.5% of people who see this ad to click it. We expect that the cost per click on that ad is going to be $3. Okay, if somebody then gets to an opt-in page where they gotta enter their email to get the free report, we expect that 40% of the people who hit that page are going to download that free report. If you start working the math backwards, right, it was $3 per click, and it's 40% of people are actually going to opt in and get the report. So so now I'm gonna put, my estimated cost per lead is $10, right? So now I've got my lead into my my email follow-up, my SMS follow-up, whatever, and now they're seeing my video sales letter, right? Well, how do you know if your video sales letter is good or it's poor, right? Well, you have to establish a baseline for it. So I wanna see, I wanna see an average consumption of 60%. I wanna see 60% of people consuming my video sales letter to know whether or not the messaging in that video sales letter is good or not, right? Now, let's say there's a button right beneath it to book a strategy session. Out of all the people who got to that page, I wanna see 10% of people click that button to go over to the calendar, right? And once they get to a calendar, there's no reason why somebody shouldn't submit and book when they're already in a calendar. So we expect 80% of people to book on the calendar. Now, once they actually book on the calendar, we expect 60% of people to show up. People, you know, they forget and you get busy and whatever. So if you got 60% of people showing up, that's a good number for you. And once you get them to show up, we're expecting that someone's going to close somewhere between 25 to 30% of the people 
that they talk to you. Now, if you work this math backwards, like I said, it costs you $10 to get a lead, right? And I said 10% of people are going to click through over to the calendar page. So it's costing us $100 to get somebody to the calendar page. And I said 80% of people are gonna actually follow through and book. So now it's $125 to get them to book, right? And because there's only a 60% show rate, right? My cost per show is now $170, right? And if I'm closing one out of three people, then my cost per acquisition for getting a new customer is three times $170 is $510, right? Now I've got to look at the product that I'm selling, right? Both yep. the upfront price I charge for it and also the lifetime value, which means how much is that person going to spend with me on all my other products and services? And I got to ask myself, am I profitable? Am I profitable enough to spend $500 to acquire that customer using that model. Now, if you sell a $100 one-time product, I'm gonna sell you my course for $100 and never sell another thing. Hmm. Can you run that business, Andrew? Hell no. Hell no. No back end. The lifetime value is $100. But most people will go plaster money on Facebook and run that model all day long to sell their $100 course and not know what you just said. And that's why- That's it, and then they just spend themselves out of money. That's why it doesn't work. Or they just right? spend themselves actually, out of business. You build the model and you look at it, then you're going to say, okay, well, at minimum, just to break even, I've got to sell a $500 product. That's just to break even, right? So that means that I've either got to raise the price of my initial product or I've got to create an ongoing marketing campaign behind that product to continue to sell them more products and I've got to put that in my model. If yeah. I'm selling a $500 product to somebody, I've broken even on the front end, right? What's the mechanism that I can create to sell the second product? And what's the conversion rate from the $500 product to the second, is it is it 10% or then gonna go on to buy a $1,000 product from me? Well, if that's the case, then I, I only made an additional $100, right? Ten per, buying, selling a thousand dollar product and having a ten percent conversion rate is only a hundred dollars. Yep. Right. So I'm spending five to now make six. So I've got a hundred bucks. This is thin. This is very. It, it, listen, thin. It, Aaron. It's thin for most, and they don't realize how thin it is because they don't know what you just said. Correct. They don't know that breakdown. By the way, this is worth going back and listening to again because I know you went fast because you take this for granted. Right. This is just like it for you. But for most people, they're like, what on earth did you just say? It's like a foreign language. Good. That's why this is a show. It's recorded. If you're listening, right. press rewind. If you're watching the video, press rewind. That piece right there is worth listening to again because it's the path of the math. It's not just the math. It's the path of the math. Correct. And that's important because at each piece of the sales process, there's a math component. There, there has to be. There has to be two things. One, what your expectation is that it should be if it's being done well. And then beside that, you need to have your math of what's actually happening, right? Because if you put your expectations of what should happen at every point beside what's actually happening, then you can quickly look at them side by side and say, where is the place I need to focus first to stop the bleeding, yep. to increase the profitability, right? And, and it could be that, let's just say all of your math is perfect, but in this example we used, you only sell a $500 product. Well, then the obvious conclusion is you either A, need to raise the price of that product, or you need to create mechanisms to sell 
product two, product three, product four in a systematic, consistent fashion to become profitable. Right. Right. And this is when you set up these these mathematical models, you can look at them and you can say, am I guaranteed to be profitable in this scenario? Oh, Sorry, man. I, I hit that. I hit that one by mistake. My bad. <laughs> I, you were going to get one anyways, but sorry about that. That was truly by mistake. Right. And, and like we have, I have clients that, that, you know, we work with where they'll sell one product and let's say it's a, some type of high level consulting program or whatever. And it's $5,000. Right. Now, if we work through the math that we just did, right. If they're, you know, if they're hitting all of those numbers, they spent 500 to get a $5,000 the sale. The thing is a lot, a lot, a, a lot of business owners don't have the stomach for that either because they, 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 there's this middle period that's tricky, right? You're spending the money. You're not making the sales. You're spending the money. You're not making the sales. They don't know the numbers, so they don't know how far they can go. Probably a good example was the one you talked about with Matthew in his event. That was another good one. I think you're yeah, going to so, get to that so one. So I'll take the I'll take the alternative. So let's take the alternative angle of this, right? So yep. what we're talking about is people who don't know their math, therefore they are not profitable, right? The other side of the equation would be those people that are profitable, and their business model is working great, but they don't understand the math, and therefore they get into a panic and they can't scale because they don't know the math. Right, and they can't scale because like, they don't know the math. They could right? be spending so have, way more and making more, but they don't realize they can't. Right. So I have a, a very good friend and a client that just had a live event in Texas, and he mutual spent, friend, mutual friend, right? And he spent um, about nine thousand dollars in ads and flights and this hotel room and you know all the things that would go along. Oh, you're with taking all that cost in there too. What's just the marketing cost though? Um, I believe the marketing costs were about four, uh, maybe 5,000. So call it 5K in ad spend to get people in the room, right? Right. So 5K in ad spend, and then he had flights and hotels and food and room rental and events yep. and excursions and blah, blah. So call it nine grand okay. in total, right? And he put about uh, 25 people in this room. Nice. So, you know, some, some of them were prospects, some of them were um, friends, family, looky loos, whatever. So let's say uh, he had approximately uh, 15 buying units, 15 qualified prospects in the room. Right. So let's say 15 buying units, okay. right? He sold six of those people on a consulting program for six months at a thousand dollars per month. Okay. So when we look at that math, each person is worth $6,000 times six is $36,000. So he spent nine to get 36, right? How many people would love to give me $9,000 and I will give you $36,000 back? Everyone should. Because there's very little fulfillment cost right. in his business. Yeah, yeah. Plan, it's his time, right? basically. It's time. Now he's, he's getting more and more educated. So he's like, I think I could do this better. You know, potentially I don't need to be there. I could just have one person there that's closer that could run the event and I could cut down on my flights or whatever. So he's, he's getting the math. So he's understanding it. And he's, he's starting to look at, you know, his P and L and start and his math models and see where he could become more efficient. But the reality is he doesn't think he did well. Really? In that scenario. I mean, if he just takes mind, his marketing these... costs alone at 5k and he just did 6k on the front. He's slightly right. profitable just in month one. He's profitable, and he has customers, one. which is important. Absolutely. That have absolutely that have potentially profitable. way more than six months of value for him. 
Potentially. But his, his mind, because he doesn't understand the model and the math, it goes, well, I spent nine and I only made six. Therefore, it's a loss. Therefore, it's a bad scenario. But he's got six more months of billing. And potentially more because a lot of those people stay on for four years, three years, two years. Correct. Right? And, and, and in his model, people buy way more stuff from him. They buy one-on-one coaching. They buy you know events. They buy all sorts of stuff. Yeah, so his, yeah. There's all kinds of stuff in the His value on each one of those customers is probably 9,000, not 6,000. Probably more than right? that. Probably so 9,000 times six is 54,000. So you spent $9,000 to make 54,000. That's, that's a home run, man. So this brings me, brings me back to uh, one of the greatest questions I think Dan Kennedy has ever phrased in his work. And it is, is it better to make a sale to get a customer or is it better, better to get a customer to make a sale? Think about Explain that. Explain that to people because they don't understand. Is it what better? I'm going to say it again because it's like, it's kind of a tongue twister. Is it better to make a sale to get a customer? Or is it better to get a customer to make a sale? So go in depth on that for people who are like, so the the first piece, is it better to make a sale to get a customer? The answer is yes. It's what Matt did. Matthew did. He got a sale. He made a sale. He might not have loved the money on the front, but he got a customer that most likely will stay with him for a long time. So he's focused on the long-term value of the customer in that first example. The second example is how a lot of business owners operate. They just want to get a customer to make a sale because they just want to make quick money. So right. that doesn't have the sustainability or the customer development aspect of it. It's just, it's a little twist of wording, but makes all the difference in the world. Again, would you rather make a sale to get a customer or would you rather get a customer to make a sale? Correct. Long-term versus short-term really is what it comes down to, right? Correct. And and when I look at the this, 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 we did a simple breakdown of of Matt's marketing model there right now is what really should be happening is yes, we should focus on how to make it more efficient. Could we cut some costs here and there? You you can always, you can always make it better. Of course. You're always doing that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But what we really should be doing is saying, how can we do an event every single month exactly like this for the next 12 months straight? Because if we did that right at the end of 12 months, just take those numbers, 5k, six people, 5k, six people, right? 5k, six people. And it compounds. And because he's continuity subscription-based, that's the difference maker here. Absolutely, right? If all of a sudden we did, we times that by 12, right? Mm -hmm. So let's say you've spent $9,000 times 12 is $108,000, right? But the average, you know, lifetime value for him is 9,000, right? Times six at each event is 54,000. 54,000 times 12 is $640,000, right? So you spent you know, a hundred and change to do almost 700. Right. Right. That math works, folks. I Listen, if I, I would tell Matthew right now, he listens to the show. So he's probably going, okay, tell me, tell me, tell me. Right. <laughs> I would say it would, I wouldn't even hesitate. If you have the bandwidth and the capabilities to do one a month yourself, forget like filling, forget getting someone to do it for you too soon. Like do it really well yourself as the lead guy in front of the room for a little while. Then you can figure out how to replicate yourself. But he, I know that he's just getting back into the live event model, but because live events were shut. Yeah. But now he's getting back into it. So absolutely. I don't know what, how he chooses cities or whatever to do it, but I would absolutely make that a once per month roadshow for at least six months straight. And then I would maybe step back and go, let's take a look at the long tail on this thing. Right? right now, most people will do a one-off. They'll analyze it. They'll like the numbers. They'll kind of watch it for a couple months. What does retention look like? Does anybody fall off? Does anybody break their contract? I would just pound that thing personally. 
I'd pound right. that event now. I think he did Dallas. Then I'd go to Denver. Then I'd go to New York. Then I'd go to Miami. Then I'd Vegas, go to Orlando. Miami. I would pound six cities, and I wouldn't even look back. And I would just know that I'm not going to run these numbers until the end of the six events. That would be a different way to do it. It would be super aggressive. It create You need a money runway to pull it off. You're going to need money up front to be able to- A little bit. Yeah, a little bit. You're going to need to cushion that, but you'll make a lot of it back at the events. But still, you're going to go 10K in event, 10K in event, 10K in event with travel and marketing costs. You got to be prepared to do that. And a lot of business owners don't have the stomach for that, but it brings me back to what you said a second ago. When you know your math, you have the stomach to do that. When you don't know yeah, your and, math, and, and you might not thing, have the you, stomach to do it. And the thing is, is if you've documented your math and you want to go on a big push with your business and you need the cash and you bring these perfectly structured mathematical models and P&Ls to people who have money, lenders, they're like, take my money. I can see the math works. Investors, partners even, might not even be something as formal as a lender. It might be somebody you want to bring in as a partner. They go, well, why should I partner with you? Let me show you why. Because I'm going to show you my math. I'm going to show you my event model. I'm going to show you my runway. And they go, oh my God, this guy's dialed in. Of course, I want to be a partner. I want to be a part of that. How do I invest in that? Exactly. That's what happens. But But again, it's back to your Shark Tank example of Mr. Wonderful. He's never investing in a company if they don't have the information you're talking about here today. He's just like, you're like a faker. He's almost you're rude with it. He's person. just like, you're, you're, it's, this is a hobby for you. You have no idea. Yeah. He'll tell them you have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> you're an amateur, right? Oh, and, and, and so I'll give you another example that goes, go, so we've talked about one example of like, not understand, like, so we've talked about not understanding your math and it costing you mm-hmm. because you're upside down. And then we've just talked about another example with Matt where not understanding your math and realizing you're way up, right? So you should double or triple down on your efforts right? Double down. Right. I, we had a client the other day who, you know, smart guy, right? And I looked at his model, his mathematical marketing model, mm-hmm. right? Cost per lead generated. You know, he, he used a strategy session model. So cost per lead generated, booking to strategy sessions, conversion rates, um, upsells into his other product lines, had multiple products, looked at his conversions, Ran through the whole thing and I was like, man, this is a rocket ship. This, this guy's got it dialed in, right? Let's just amplify that now and pour way more bodies into the process, which is what you can do when you understand your math. Sure. And then um, this month he's like, it's, it's, we can't, we can't afford to continue to run the business way. It's not profitable. I'm like, how is the business not profitable? Where, where so, did he get that story from? What, what's that? Where did he create that story from that it's not profitable? Well, the thing is that I didn't get to see his P&L back before to P- we started. Back to so P&L. you know a mathematical model for marketing and sales, but I hadn't seen his P&L. So as a that, whole, the company was suffering, but the marketing and the sales piece was doing well, but it was sort of camouflaged by the problems over here. Right? Yeah, this I was see. completely all in the operational side of you the You know, I'm glad we here. started with that then because look where this goes back to, right? Right. And that's the thing is he was he had too many people on staff. He was paying them too much. He... He, you know, he wasn't operating the business with that sort of profit first mentality. He had let it completely explode out of control. So it didn't really matter over here what was happening, you know, on his first product, right? So in most, in most businesses, 
you lose money to make a sale on your first product as part of your customer acquisition. And then you make your money by by serving them well, nurturing them at, you know, selling more stuff and whatever. And by the way, Aaron, I'll stop you right there because very few even get that. I'm, I'm actually surprised with the amount of business owners I deal with around the world that don't realize that losing money to acquire a customer is not the death of the business. They think it's the, it's it's the, the death of the business. It's very difficult to go positive on the acquisition of a customer. In fact, really good business almost owners. Almost impossible. Almost impossible. I mean, it's it's next to impossible to sell on something. On your first sale. Yeah, on your very first opening sale to, to a cold audience. I mean, you have to be prepared to lose a little bit of money to make the money, right? And that's that comes with additional products and services that come second and third and fourth or what, however right. your ascension model is. Some are dumbfounded right. so, by so that. Some are completely dumbfounded case, by that. So in this particular case with this client, when we started off, the goal on his first product was a three to one return on his ad spend. Three to one. So he, that's really good. He was making, you know, three times on, which is awesome. It, he wasn't losing money. He's making three times. Wow. This month, when we were looking at his business, he said, this isn't working. And I said, how can it not be working? He said, I now need five times return on my money on the first product. I said, you're not going to get five times return on the money in your first product. You're, well, you're, getting, you're, you're lucky you're getting two or three X. Exactly. Right. So then I said, we need to see your math and his math disaster on the back. From end. an operations right. and, and, and cost standpoint of internal, right? Exactly. Got it. So that's why you got to have your your marketing and sales model that should guarantee profitability and then you've got to match that with a PL which really shows all of your operational costs and all the things that are associated with the running of the business beyond the marketing and the sales yes agreed right and when you combine those two things together then you've got the ultimate diagnostic tool to be able to say is this working and if not, you have you transparency at that point. You can Correct. see what's happening with the money. Correct. Versus not knowing. And I think it's, and it doesn't I think really it's a, take that long to set up. No, it doesn't take long to set up, but it takes work. And it does take, like we said at the beginning, it does take attacking belief systems that, that, or attacking areas of the business that might, you might be insulted by what you find. You might be pissed ashamed, off, embarrassed, ashamed that you missed it. I mean, this is again, the cognitive dissonance might kick in and you might, you might be offended by what you see. Heck, you might have someone on this who you think is doing well and you might find that they're completely shitting the bed. Yep. I have a client, you know, you, you know, he's an attorney down here in Florida. He was yep. paying a bookkeeper six figures a year to run the books. What? Yeah. Six figures a year to run the books and didn't really, wasn't really getting the transparency he thought he should be getting. We believe the group he's a part of. We think maybe there's some skimming going on because he just handed it off and overpaid and didn't really get the reporting that he needed to know where stuff was. It was more like for him, it was like insurance just to know someone's handling it. But, you know, don't, don't call me unless there's a problem kind of a mentality which isn't, shouldn't be the mentality. If you're paying someone top dollar to manage it, they should be telling you everything, all the good, all the bad at all times. They yes. shouldn't be telling you only when things go wrong, come to me for what I'm paying you. I want to know what's going on every hour of the day, right? That's, 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 that's the bloat piece. So there's an accountability piece right here. You as the business owner, most likely that's you watching the show, you want to know if it isn't you overseeing 
the P&L and the, and the operational math. And, and if it isn't you overseeing the marketing and the sales math, well, whoever it is needs to report to you the good, the bad, right. the ugly at Every all times. Time. Otherwise, you can't make economic decisions. They drive all the business decisions, right? And when I meet, and this kind of just is going to tie a loop on this whole conversation today, right? Is people will come to me with their businesses and their their campaigns and say, um, "We we think there's something wrong. Let us tell you what we think is wrong." And I just it's go, like stop. it's always like this big hypothetical, right? Right. I just go stop. Like, where did you get that information from? Right. Just tell me. Just show me the math. I can tell you by looking at the math what the problem is. Yeah. And they go, well, how, well, but let us just explain some. No, no, no. Just show me the math because I can I, I will already know where the problem is because the math. But it, is- it, I want to leave off with the last thing you just said that was funny though. Like when somebody like goes into a panic mode about something and there's no evidence to support it, it's just mind boggling, isn't it? Well, yeah. And unfortunately can take them down these really weird That's rabbit holes yes. and panic decisions that are yes, completely like, irrelevant. W- like give, give me the evidence and the information on that. Otherwise, you're most likely caught in some sort of feedback loop story that you're creating that may not be real. It might be fear again, false evidence appearing real, like we said in the beginning, right? Could be. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's the key to bringing peace of mind in your business Mm -hmm. and knowing where to focus and knowing where your opportunities are and knowing where your money's at at all time. And it just makes everything so much easier to run. It does. It does. That means time is up. <laughs> no applause this time? Oh, and do a great job, Aaron, on breaking down those math module numbers because now that I have these sound effect toys, folks, oh boy, watch out. There's more to come too. Even. Oh, man. It's not Aaron. good. Sorry, Terrible. folks, we just went a little immature today, but, you know, I got some new toys here in the studio, and at the click of a mouse, I can really turn this into the gong show if you let me, but I won't, I won't, I won't. Hey, this was a good one, though. I'm going to wrap it here, Aaron. Great stuff on the models, uh, great stuff on the math models. You as a business owner, entrepreneur, sales professional, running your own uh, enterprise, you got to know two sides of the math. It's the operational math, the P&L, sort of the boring accounting stuff. And then it's the more exciting money math. I think the money math is a little more exciting because it's it's like a game, right? We talk about a this game. a lot where, hey, we're acquiring a customer at this much and can we get it down to this much? And you, you can kind of adjust and throttle along the way. It becomes a little bit more fun, but you have to be playing both games to be effective and productive and ultimately in a position to grow and scale and have a, a business that actually makes sense that isn't an expensive job, right? Well, I'm going to leave it with this one last quote. What I realize is when you get these things figured out and you get visibility into it, businesses become boring, boring and predictable. And if your business is not boring and predictable, you're probably doing it wrong. Good words of wisdom to leave off on. That is Aaron, folks. I'm Andrew. We will see you in the next episode of Sales Velocity TV. All episodes are at salesvelocitytv.com and we're live at 11 a.m. Eastern in the public Sales Velocity TV Facebook group, Facebook page. We will see you soon on the next episode. This one's a wrap. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Sales Velocity TV is powered by Pipeline Pro, the ultimate all-in-one sales pipeline management and marketing automation platform that makes all others obsolete. And we can prove it. Take a tour at gopipelinepro.com. See you on the next episode.